Stephen Moyer surprised me on the lengthy answer he gave discussing his true blood character of Bill Compton. Here's some of it. And then, you know, you have this character. And, and, and when I read the pilot, I haven't read the books, obviously. And I think Charlene's books are excellent. But when I read that pilot, I was just like, oh, my God, I want to immerse myself in this. Who is this guy? Who is this character? You know, and then, of course, Charlene's books go into sort of quite a bit of detail about Bill and who he is. And, and he's complicated because that first person, that first version of him that we meet is not quite true to who he really is. He is an agent and he is playing a game. And this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror and comics help us explore humanity. We chatted about his film role in the thriller Last Survivors and more True Blood as well. And I don't know if you know how, well, you didn't know how this movie would resonate so much with what is going on today. It's really amazing. You know, it's interesting because we, we when the script came to us, we were not in the middle of a global pandemic. <laughs> Alicia, myself and Drew, were, were attached before, you know, this all happened, like mid-2019, I guess. I think we were all drawn to just a really classy bit of storytelling, you know, and good characters. It's not about heroes and villains, and it's not about, it's about doing what you think is right by your kids and by, your, by yourself. And, and for me, you know, Troy was somebody who... You know, there's been this third world war, as he calls it. And he has taken his kid during this period of time and he has run up a mountain and he has set a border and he has stopped the outside world from infiltrating so that he can bring up his kid and, and love his kid and prepare his kid for, for that new world. You know, within, within that, it was great for me because I kind of thought about what one would do in that scenario. You know, especially if you if you hadn't prepped for it, right? And what you would have to learn, what you would have to be able to do, you know. So that that in terms of research was really interesting. How how you create energy, how you know that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I thought our production designer, now our, our cinematographer, and did a really lovely job of of creating that that world. Um, that cabin in the, you know, in the middle of, you know, but when we originally started talking about it, it, it wasn't going to be a snowy yes. um, vista. It was going to be a sort of Arizona-like, um, you know, brown sort of just miles and miles and miles of nothing, you know. And then because of, COVID, because of the pandemic, because of finding places to shoot, because of the time of year that that meant we were going to be able to do it, it meant snow. And in fact, it wasn't snowing until two days before we started shooting. So it was, it was all incredibly fortuitous mm -hmm. and bloody cold. <laughs> I bet it was. I bet it was. More with Stephen Moyer on Sci-Fi Talk in a moment. You know, yeah. the, thing, the thing about Troy is that he is very firm in his beliefs and it kind of echoes what's going on. There's a lot of people that are very firm in their beliefs and yeah. exist in their own reality, too. And, yeah. and, and he was, uh, I thought he 
because of what's been going on, his your performance was so timely because of that. And it's like, I understand his point of view, yeah. but obviously I don't agree with it. Absolutely. Uh, that's interesting. It is interesting, isn't it? Because, because obviously we'd all signed on to do it before the pandemic and then we all came into it nine months into the first, where I think we're in the second lockdown when we shot it. Hmm. And in this period of time, in this last four or five years in America, there are multiple factions that have pervaded the air, you know, from every, all sides, belief systems that have been propagated. And um, I have, you know, I've had fallouts with, with very close friends who, who believe different things to me and yet are so set in their idea of what is going on in the world. Yeah. Um, and it's so different to what other people go, think are going on in the world. And yet, and yet these are smart, brilliant people. And, and I think that, you know, I, I was really interested in that aspect of it. You know, and I don't want to give anything away, really. I don't want to give too much away. But, right. but, but every, that's why I say every single character believes they're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. You know? And, yeah. and, well, very few people set out to be a bad guy. Right. They think they're doing the right thing. They think that their course of action is the correct one. That, that you know, there's remarkably few psychopaths or sociopaths. It's, you know, most people are just like, just on a different, uh, on a different trajectory. Right, right. Uh, so, uh, you know, with, with our story, You've got this. You've got this young man who has grown up in this situation, who has, who is now a man living up a mountain with his father, and the two men living together. And and he, but he's going to have desires and wants and needs, and that are different and changing. And and this this event happens that that makes him have to go out into this world that is the other side of this fence that that Troy has created. And. You know, it's a very sort of biblical story in that way. You know, it's about, about that, that walking outside of the utopia, walking outside Eden. Yeah. You know? Yeah, very much, yeah. One thing that, that Drew told me, your director, which is interesting, was yeah. the fact that you had a hand in actually with the production designer on how the cabin looked where everything was. Uh, you know, I've talked to actors, especially when they try on the clothes of the character, and, you know, and now you took that even a step further. That brings you closer to this guy a little bit. And it also makes you familiar with the surroundings you're in, too, I would think. There's something very simplistic and yet incredibly sophisticated about it, too. This world that they've set up. Utilitarian. When I come in, I hang my coat up here. I have one coat. This is where it goes. Over here is where we grow things. This is the place where we create things. This is where we cut meat. This is the place, you know, and that simplicity, you know, and, and the belief that, you know, there's that, oh, there's that famous story about Fincher making Brad Pitt hang his coat up 165 times, you know, when he came through the door on, on seven because he wanted him to have done that so many times that it felt like second nature mm. and 
whether one believes that you need to do that or not is a whole different argument. But I, what I, what I love about the story is that he's not going to believe that he's, that he's, he knows how to do it until he's done it 160 times. Mm-hmm. So when we come in, what do we do? What, we, can we walk through the door? This is what happens. And I know where my rifle is. I know where the pots are. You know, it's also that thing. I used to live on a boat and um, uh, lived on a boat for seven years from like age 22 to, to 29. My boat is, is in London and it's, it's very narrow. It's a cigarette boat. You guys, we call it a narrow boat, but you guys sometimes call it a cigarette boat. It's a canal boat. Yes. And it's long, but it's really narrow. So, <laughs> so after a while, you realize that everything has to have its place. Like, and my, my friends turn up and go, oh, this book's really cool. And they take it out of the shelf and they put it down and then they go, oh, what's this do? And, and you're like, the, your OCD is going, no, don't t- put the thing back. Because, because this, you know, as soon as five things are off the shelf, it's a mess. So I really liked the idea of, of creating a simplistic kind of language between Drew Van Acker and myself in which if I'm using a tool or he's using a tool and I'm done that, that there's a simplistic kind of like, I know that when you've, when you've cut that thing, you're going to need a cloth to wipe the knife with. I know that once you've had that cloth, I'm going to pass you the thing that then that you're going to cut or whatever. I'm just making it up. But, but there's this sort of uh, symbiosis between um, Drew Van Acker and myself that's years in the making, you know? Yeah. And so, so part, of, part of it was also about creating that. Yeah, so, so that was something that was really fun for us to work on was that sort of symbiotic need. You know, I, I am the other part. You're, I'm your left brain to your right brain and that kind of thing. And yeah. really enjoyable it was actually a lovely shoot because everybody was, it's, it's, it's been a really interesting time. I've done a lot of films in this period of time that have been small and three, four handers. And, and, um, and what's enjoyable about it is, is it's usually a splinter crew. You've got one camera, you know, the, 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 obviously not this one because it had already been constructed, but a lot of these little films that I've been doing have been developed in order to use one location with a small crew and small actors so that they can film them because of COVID. Yeah. But therefore the, the crew really feels like it's part of, you know, we're all little cogs working together to create the whole. And there's, it's been a really enjoyable sort of creative flow of everybody doing their bit to sort of bring it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it's cool. Father and son relationships are very complicated in real life and on mm-hmm. film. You mentioned, uh, you know, with Drew, and I thought he, I mean, both of you together, your scenes were, and the arc of, this, of, the, of the movie between the two of you and how it just evolves and changes. You know, I thought that was really cool. And it, to me, that was one of the points that grabbed me was the father and son relationship. Yeah. So yeah, speak a little bit about that and uh, how it's very central to what really is going on. I, I thought Drew, I've got to be honest, I thought Drew did a superb job because yes. it's so hard because he's playing this innocent and he's a grown-ass man and, and yet he's having to play like a, he's having to play this innocent boy-like figure 
his dad has been creating this man. He's been helping create this man because they're, they're completely living off the grid outside the world. And he wants to create this sort of beautiful, natural entity that can exist in the world. And, but he's fearful for what, the, what, 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 lays out, what lays ahead of him, you know, especially if something happen, were to happen to him, as we know kind of is, is sort of what happens in a way. And, um, and Drew and I talked about that a lot. We, tra- we talked about that, that blind trust, that faith in your, in your loved one and what that means and how, how that feels, that sort of blind love. And, and um, we talked about that. We talked about sort of trying to create an unspoken language, which, was not t- mm. which is intuitive as opposed to having to be vocal. Yeah. If you're living in in each other's company the whole time. You don't need to speak. You know what the other person wants. You know what the other person needs. And you're there giving it to them before they ask for it. You know, and that's what I'm talking about really with that symbiosis. You know? So we talked about that a lot. Physicality, how our bodies moved in the room. Talked about that. I know that he was watching me a lot, sort of trying to learn my physicality. We also talked, you know, and again, I don't want to go into too much detail about this sure. just in terms of ruining or, or spoiling, but we also talked about psychological, we did some psychological games and we didn't have a rehearsal as such, but we did talk through the scenes uh, before doing them and played a couple of psychological games where, you know, things where you try doing a scene in a way where you know, if, I'm, if I do a scene where I'm not looking at you and I never give you my, my attention and I never look at you during a scene, that's a, ba- that's a massive power play. Oh, yeah. Because if you're somebody who's sort of looking to the other person for, you know, because you, you want to impress them or you want to make them feel loved or whatever it is, and they're not looking at you, then there's a whole, you know, that, that has power. It also has the opposite power if, if you spend the whole, t- the whole time looking at that person, questioning them, because then you can sort of drill a hole in them because you never look away. And so that has a power too. So we played, we played those different shifting status games of, to see how they all felt. Um, just, I mean, you know, it's drama stuff. It's, it's, it's acting sort of games that, that, that infuse you with a certain feeling that, are fun and you know a little bit of improvising here and there just prior to to starting to see where we're at internally and things like that i I love all that stuff and and it also sort of sets up a sort of shorthand between you and the other actor which is enjoyable more with stephen moyer talking about true blood and also the last survivors in a moment on the sci-fi talk indie podcast scene one apple take two it showed on screen I'm in, in every sense of what you mentioned, the nonverbal stuff and, you know, the chemistry. I believed you were father and son. I mean, that's how, yeah. how well you. Of course, it. darling, I'm not old enough. So <laughs> so that's my, that's the most wonderful thing that I was able to do. Uh, but yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I thought Drew did a beautiful job. I really did. Yeah, and Alicia. I thought Alicia oh my was God. fantastic. I, I was saying this is like, for me, it's it's already easily one of my top five favorite performances she's ever getting given. Yeah. She was just terrific in that. 
Yep. Again, a, a character who I understood her motivations for doing what she did. And again, without giving too much away. Yeah. That character has made some very specific choices, which some people will find hard to take. Sure. And, um, and yet, I, I think you really understand the journey she's been on. Oh, yeah. And I, and I thought she did it beautifully. I mean, we've all felt the way she feels at one yeah. point or another. That, yeah. You know, and she acted upon it. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It's, it's really, really interesting. All the characters didn't feel phony or stereotyped or anything like that. No, absolutely. It was so beautifully written. And I, as I was telling both crews that there's so much going on, there's so many different layers to the film that it easily could have been all jumbled up and you would have been like, what's this really about? Yeah. But the fact that it was so well acted and directed, and of course the writing was there. It, and it the just, cinematography as well. I mean, oh, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Holy smokes. I mean, just incredible. I mean, Montana is, is beautiful on its own. I mean, that's a yeah. character in the movie, really. Absolutely, absolutely. In addition to the house, of course. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, both houses, actually. Yeah. Uh, and boy, does it reflect each of the characters, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's really amazing when the physical space, you can tell a lot about a person by the yeah. space they live in. Yeah. And, and uh, I thought that was really cool. Oh, I'm glad you noticed that, because I thought that was really nicely done. Oh, Absolutely. You know, I got to ask you uh, something about True Blood. And the thing I loved about what you did with him was that, you know, he had to, the one thing that stands out to me is he had a very difficult decision. He had to turn Deborah's character to be a vampire. Yeah. And he honestly didn't want to do that. No. But yet he was pushed in that direction. And I thought it really, it made him so human to me. And he had a conscience, which is probably not a good thing for a vampire. Absolutely not. So, uh, you know, how do you reflect on him? Because talk, another character that is multi-layered for sure. It was such a it was such a fun show. It, oh yeah, it it, it it was so. I, I've said this multiple times, but but that first script when I read that script and you know what 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 Alan's writing does that a few scripts I've ever done. Uh, that I've ever read are able to do in such a way is Alan's writing is you can smell it. You can taste the place that he's talking about. He set up a world which felt so real. And yet in this unreal, you know, sci-fi idea, this, 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 um, this template for a world using and using metaphors and, um, but that feels so true. And then, you know, you have this character. And, and, and when I read the pilot, I haven't read the books, obviously. And I think Charlene's books are excellent. But when I read that pilot, I was just like, oh, my God, I want to immerse myself in this. Who is this guy? Who is this character? You know, and then, of course, Charlene's books go into sort of quite a bit of detail about Bill and who he is. And, and he's complicated because... That first person, that first version of him that we meet is not quite true to who he really is. He is an agent and he is playing a game. The th the th I think the thing that's slightly different about the, the, the TV show to the, um, 
to the to the books is is that he does he falls in love he falls in love with this woman and that absolutely was not his intention he was there doing a job for the queen he falls in love with this girl and then it's about protecting her and their love and i thought that that whilst also having to make some really difficult decisions along the way and that humanity that that duality and as you know it differs a little bit from what happens in the books and i know people yeah. were unhappy about that and um but but i think that alan and the writers room saw a complexity in that duality that that they found really interesting which they gave me to play which was just you know like a dream part um because we all you know being able to being able to play somebody who's lived multiple lives anyway who has had so much experience of things that they've done wrong already yeah. and trying to write and trying to correct and trying not to be that next time or trying you know i th- i think they're really all interesting aspects of what it means to have that longevity as a as a character mm-hmm um i just i thought it was beautiful stuff that particular beat isn't in the books as we know deborah's character right. um being turned like that so that was a surprise when it came along and um and then you know i got to meet and and work with deborah and wall who is just fireworks and you know just just unbelievable just amazing Yeah. I mean I've said this I've said this multiple times as well but um she is going to be a she'll be somebody who's still working in 30 years who will be getting rosettes and trophies for a long 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 time she's brilliant yeah so that that whole stuff and and also um um Scott who who directed Scott Wynant who directed episode 10 of season 1 and the production design of that that theater of cars that they created oh yeah yeah and um <laughs> the, the scene in which i have to turn her and and how yeah. emotionally yeah it was amazing it was amazing stuff yes it was and is that's the beauty yeah. of it it's still around people can see it which is great yeah it's still out there especially in this streaming world where nothing really is gone it's it's perfect deborah and and um deborah and kristen are doing a podcast Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. yeah. I I I I haven't spoken to them yet. They we text we text sometimes, but I haven't spoken to them yet to see how they're getting on with it. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's um I just admired her work also on Daredevil and what yeah, she's doing just, there. It's just brilliant. Brilliant. And I know you were part of the MCU too for a little while there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. did a couple of years in the MCU. Yeah, there you go. Yep. I was actually at that junket at San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, the first the, one. The first one. I was Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. That was a yeah. lot of fun. Oh my god. Yeah, comic We had all these the, the DNA kits and stuff. Oh my god, I could know. do yeah. that. It was so clever. It was clever. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I I mean, I urge everyone to see this. Thank your, you, man. Your your performance and and really there's not a weak link in this cast. Drew is uh is was amazing. and your director to really have all those pieces to move around. He is excellent and he's going to be a big voice. Yeah, yeah. He's an excellent director. 
I don't know if you know that he, he was, when I spoke to him, they were having a, a premiere in Montana. That's where yeah. he, where he, he texted right me. Um, <laughs> they were, um, there's this beautiful old theater that's yeah. like 19, 1928 or something. Oh. And it's like a 1500 seater or something. Wow. Maybe not that, maybe not that many, but, but, but it's a big, big theater and they premiered the movie there. And so all, all the people from Butte, uh, who obviously had worked on the film, but also a bunch of people who live in Butte and knew that we were shooting there, went to see it, and they had a big premiere there. And it's, he said it was amazing. Oh, cool, cool. Great to talk to you. And you, sir. Uh, you're obviously a talent. And the extra bonus, I got to see your dog too, which is great. You got to see the Dave, the Dave I, Meister, sitting wish, down here. I wish I could show you my Cassie, but she is sound asleep right now. <laughs> Frenchies sleep a lot. You know. uh, I'm sure. <laughs> but He does too, but he's just a bit needy today. There you go. I'm right. sure we'll speak again. Take Absolutely. care. Absolutely. That would be a pleasure. Thank you, sir. You can rent the movie at Prime Video, Redbox, Voodoo, YouTube, Apple TV, Hulu, and Google Play Movies and TV. Sci-Fi Talk Plus makes a great podcasting gift, not only for yourself, but also for friends and family. There's over 800 episodes, commercial-free, uncut, and even special programs. The best part, it's free. Click on the link in the show notes for, for a free lifetime access. This is Tony Tolado. Thanks for listening.